This is Oakley Anderson Moore, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. blocks from the debauchery of beads and beignets in the French Quarter of New Orleans, a small room fills up nightly for a performance from the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Instruments gleam in the light, people sit on the wood-slatted floors, no photographs are allowed, and a sign on the wall chastises any requests to play The Saints. I had the chance to catch the band perform at Preservation Hall for the first time last year. The music sounds the story of Louisiana and the Americas through the infectious rhythm of piano, trumpet, saxophone, and of course, the tuba. Shortly after, I heard about a doc production following the bandmates called A Tuba to Cuba. Music is a universal language of its own, so a filmmaker is hard tasked to create a music doc that doesn't just add visuals to what's being expressed already with sound. In a genre dominated by concert footage and behind-the-scenes concert footage, a tuba to Cuba is a great case study of how a doc can do what the music can't. Connect the dots of history, paint a picture of human character, and tell a story that makes the music even more rich. So why is a tuba going to Cuba? Here's a little background on the premise of the film. In 1960, when Fidel Castro came to power, the United States banned all travel to Cuba. In 1961, Alan Jaffe formed the Preservation Hall Jazz Band in New Orleans. Except over radio waves, it would be 55 years until musicians in Cuba and the Crescent City would hear each other face to face. And that was in 2015, when a documentary team co-directed by T.G. Harrington and Danny Clinch followed the founder's son and today's leader of the Preservation Hall Jazz Band on a journey with his bandmates to Cuba where they would meet their musical counterparts and explore the shared Afro-Hispanic Caribbean histories of their music. I first sat down with co-director T.G. Harrington and producer Nikel Harrington, joined halfway through by band leader Ben Jaffe himself on the eve of their world premiere in Austin to talk about the challenges of shooting in remote parts of Cuba, creating musicality through visuals, and how to tell a story that pays tribute to the music while passionately exercising the universal language of film. This is Oglieta Samora. I am sitting here with the team behind A Tuba to Cuba, which is a new documentary premiering in the sort of famous music section of South by Southwest, 24 beats per minute. Thank you guys for being with me here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Do us a favor and just introduce yourself and tell us what your role is in the film. I'm Nicole Harrington, and I'm the producer. And I'm T.G. Harrington. I'm one of the directors. Uh, Danny Clinch wishes he could be here, but can't, unfortunately. And possibly we'll be joined by Ben Jaffe, who is the leader of the Preservation Hall Jazz Band and one of the leads in the film, which A Tuba to Cuba is about. So maybe we'll intro him later if he makes it here in time. Yep. <laughs> executive producer as well. So And executive producer. Very nice. So yeah, the film, uh, which, as I just mentioned, follows... Ben and the Preservation Hall Jazz Band, and they make a trip to Cuba to explore the similar roots and history of, of the music of New Orleans and the music of Cuba and the ties there. Just start us off by giving us some background. What were your, you know, where did you come from making this film? How did you get together? How did you meet Ben? How did you stumble onto this story and decide to make it a documentary? So um, as a kid, I used to go to the hall and listen to, to music there. So it's always kind of been part of uh, big part of my life, you know, 
uh, and an inspiration. Uh, his uh, mother and father did a lot of work in New Orleans when it came to uh, uh, the preservation of our music, you know, traditional jazz. They're from Philadelphia, and they, and um, I'm hoping he does, in fact, make it here so that way he can kind of give it to you firsthand because it's not quite as powerful coming from <laughs> me. But, however, um, they they came to New Orleans right around the time of, uh, um, you know, in the, so right in the middle of, of Vietnam's, uh, the civil rights movement was in full throw, you know, and, and, and New Orleans is still a Jim Crow city, you know. Segregation was in full swing. And what they did was they found this um, this early form of jazz and the people that played it, and they created this space, this community, um, where people would mix, you know, and they would get together and listen to to great music, and that kind of that spirit has carried on and and um, led uh, the whole, you know, them to uh, to, to uh, go all over the world, take these older musicians who had never even left New Orleans. Get them on a plane, go to Russia, you know, or Thailand, and so just kind of spread the seed and the love of New Orleans. And and Ben, uh, on the passing of his father, his father had all all along wanted to go to Cuba, but due to the embargo, he was never really able to realize that dream. So this is an opportunity for Ben to kind of realize that dream for his father. You know, when the uh, the embargo was lifted uh, at that point in time, uh, they were invited by the Havana Jazz Festival to play and headline the very first inaugural festival. So he's like, you know, it'd be cool if we uh, took a camera. I was like, yeah, you know, actually, there's something here. So that's how it started, you know, and went from there. Yeah, and I heard overheard them speaking about going to Cuba in the timeline, and I said, what? What do you do? What, what? We're doing a documentary there. We're doing a documentary. <laughs> like, how much time do I have to get a team together and uh, – and it, it wasn't it wasn't too long, but we we definitely pulled it together. I have another great producing partner, Han Soto, that it immediately immediately after this meeting with Ben and TG, whom I, I called and was, I said, there's a pretty pretty great project in the works that talks about humanity, music, and legacy, and I knew it was something that that he would also want to be involved in. Very cool. Yeah, and I mean, just since, you, you know, going to Cuba after the embargo was lifted, so can you paint a picture for us when you decided to follow them with the camera? You know, what was that like? Were there logistics complications, uh, filming there? Like, so few filmmakers have been able to shoot in Cuba because we've only recently been able to go. We'd just love to hear, like, what the experience was like. Yeah, um, we, we did, um, through childhood friends and contacts there, and then through the tremendous support that we received from the actual from the Cuban government, um, it was incredible. I mean, we we really had a lot of access that had never been granted before to people. Hmm. Um, we were able to, um, you know, we had representatives and production team there in Cuba as well. It was important that we this be a co-production as opposed to just you know. Some Americans, you know, going showing up with cameras and doing whatever they wanted. <laughs> we really wanted it to be a collaborative effort. You know, it does take a village to make this happen. And so Danny, myself, and Han, and Nikel, and Ben, we all kind of, uh, you know, went down there. Got everything. Pre- we went down a little bit early to prep and do a lot of work. And then I, j- I had to do tons and tons of research and, and writing before we. But 
But uh, yeah, the logistics, I think Nikel can speak to you more about that lack of internet, lack of cell phone. And so he had to really resort to filmmaking 101, you know? And in the raw. I think that um, we all relied on knowing each other really well. And it was amazing how when we broke away, how we would find each other again, because we had three different crews working at the same time. And, you know, when you're working on a documentary, you have different events unfold that weren't planned. So it was interesting meeting back up, but it was, we were very cohesive in that way. Um, One of my favorite moments was when we were going down just for the location scout and kind of to set things up, and we dropped our bags and started to scout, and we saw the Pope. The Pope? The Pope was there, (laughs) and we saw him speak. Um, It was magical, and it made me kind of feel, I think it made us all feel from the very beginning how special this project was, and it, it felt like it was blessed was in a funny way. Not often your film gets ordained by the Pope while you <laughs> well, I would, Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. But it did, it did, it felt like a, like a little bit of, you know, kismet, little something was on our side, but it was good. It was amazing. And you know what though, it, uh, technologically and logistically and all these other kind of uh, issues that we had, at the end of the day, we really felt like we, had, we hadn't left home. And that's, that's what we have to understand about New Orleans is that it's a, it is the northernmost Caribbean city in the world, and it's, and it's a, it's it is its own country within our country, which is what you could say about Cuba as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Cuban people loved having us there. Everyone was so extremely helpful, and friendly, and willing to go out of their way for us at all times. It made us feel very, very welcomed, and so much so that we've kept we've kept in contact with a lot of the people that we met and spent time with down in Cuba and our our crew members. In fact, some of the crew members flew up and stayed with us in New Orleans to come to America for the first time. Oh, wow. They got to experience Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. You know, you mentioned that there were three different crews filming. Um, can you explain why that was and what your approach was to capturing the story? Yes, yeah, so... We, because we were working, we had a very narrow window um, in terms of, you know, we had the band for 14 days in in, the, in the, the country. However, just to go to Santiago, that's like a day jaunt, you know, by plane, and it's a huge ordeal. So things had to be happening simultaneously. So it, we had a lot of, uh, you know, B-roll crew and Danny would... Had um, we had at one one point we had to fracture and split up the crew. So I went to Santiago. Danny stayed in Havana, and uh, yeah. So we it was it was necessary. But um, what happened? I guess an important part of what makes the film work really well is that um, you know we did we did a lot. I did a lot of research when it came to like the genres of music and knowing which one of these obscure Cuban icons, musical icons, would blend really well chemistry-wise with each of the individuals in the band. So it was about pairing them and, and, and kind of uh, not making the encounter happen, but setting the table for the encounters to happen. And each one of the guys in the band, before we left, they had their own intention. They had their own idea of what this trip was going to get be for them and what they were going to get out of it. So um, it, it was, it, in, in a weird way, yeah, it's all one big story, but it, it's, it's these little, 
glimpses and these little moments that all add up to something. So it was okay to fracture up the, the you know, the team and cover the, because we all were of one mind. We were all of one spirit. So it's, yeah. I think on that note too, one of the really interesting things that I really appreciated about um, TG as a director and his viewpoint of the process was he kept the different musicians apart. So the the musicians from Prez Hall weren't meeting their paired musicians until the cameras were actually rolling. They'd never seen each other before. And, you know, the Prez Hall band does not speak Spanish, and the musicians that we were speaking to didn't speak English. So they are, you're really watching this organic moment unfold of their communication through music which was really beautiful. For the Preservation Hall jazz band, it's so interesting you're talking about you did research to kind of pick out who their counterparts might be, and that's part of the film is somebody meeting their Cuban counterparts, so to speak. That's sort of simplifying it. Yeah. How many, yeah, just how many characters were you working with? Like how many guys are in the band and and how many counterparts did you look into? Yeah, there was a... Still trying to wrap my mind around the logistics of everything. and. (laughs) Yeah, so... Total members of the band, uh, I think it's six, seven, right? Six, seven? I think. Anyway, uh, the, we've had, a, the band has changed its, sure, in its yeah. uh, iteration since a few people have left and others have come on. Uh, but it, it wasn't, also wasn't uh, necessarily one-on-one, but also in certain cases, there were singular Cuban iconic musicians who represented what the band represented too as well. So it wasn't, just on the nose like that, you know, necessarily. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were a total of, I mean, we probably did a total of 12 different characters on each side of the fence. So, yeah. But we probably interviewed hundreds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely a couple, couple dozen for sure. Yeah. Um, what kind of gear were you shooting with to sort of facilitate, um, not only as many people and having this, this many different crews, but also to have kind of the look of the film, which is like such a visual film and you're getting to see all these different characters and these places and locations and all kind of comes alive to this mm-hmm. visceral experience. So, Yeah, it, that's that's a great question. Um, and it was a, a, a huge, there's a lot of intent behind that. And because you have to, I knew, I mean, Danny and I had sat down and talked a lot with, with, this, with Josh Goldman, who was the... The director of photography, um, you know, I, I had my brain. I'd seen, I'd just seen uh, um, *Beasts of No Nation*, so I'd, I'd really love uh, Carrie's work and and the um, you know the, the use of anamorphic lenses. I felt like the, it, it, I wanted to make that a document, have it be cinematic in that sense. But you know, due to the technical and the shipping and the logistical side of we had to ship every piece of gear down to Cuba. And you start to think about what what it means to be shooting on anamorphic lenses and having three different... It just wasn't something that was feasible. So uh, what we ended up doing was going with... A, we shot on Alexa. But what I did was we, we ended up coming up with this look of where we just stacked NDs on the front of the lens and then just collapsed the depth of field so that we had this very, very rich and very very uh, textural kind of film, you know, film. And, and we're super happy. Oh, and we never used any, I didn't want to use any lights. So it's all available light. And we let, uh, we embraced the color temperature differences that you would see at night and which are so beautiful in Cuba. 
and just added a whole other level of color and you know and we used here again using Danny's books and his work body of work and Josh and what he brings to the table and what I'd seen in my head and I think once again this is a great collaboration and I'm super duper happy with the look and you know I'm glad we're able to pull it pull it off <laughs> Mm-hmm. Previous to this film, I was reading you'd worked with some fairly large names, Michelle Gondry, Michael Bay, working with them. And, and But at the same time, this is your first feature documentary as director. So, you know, was were those influences something that you brought with you to, to come up with this particular style? Yeah, you know, it's a, the, that, that all came from the early, early days of propaganda, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, uh, yeah, and 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 satellite films and all those those that the, that moment in time where I think uh, guys like Jerry Bruckheimer were kind of tapping into the commercial world to come up with that next look, like, and that did that said that defined what Hollywood was for you know a little over a decade. You know, Simon West, uh, uh, so Michael Bay, like you said, and Michelle Gondry, uh, just that that kind of vibe. And, and sure, and my background is editing, right? So um, it, it did, in a sense. Um, I think it, it uh, it's more apparent, more so apparent when you start to look at how the film was edited uh, hmm. because of uh, the way it's it was cut. Um, applied some of that same uh, experience, those experiences to to it for sure, you know. But then you know, then the the writing is where. Um, it really came together for me, you know. Uh, uh, just I took four months to, after the changes that we see in our current administration. We were on a great track with, you know, what Obama was doing in terms of the policy towards Cuba. That was, of course, reversed. So it therefore shifted the narrative of the film. So I had to rewrite, rethink, and then reshoot. And, you know, I think that commercial world helps you, you know, stay on your toes, you know, yeah. think on your feet. I don't know if I would say reshoot. Would you see that reshoot? No, no. I, I would say shoot more. Shoot again. No, yeah. There was a Thank definite, you. but there was a definite kind of, we we shot, uh, it, it was a reshoot in the sense that we shifted the, the narrative and that we had to do that, we had to shoot some more stuff, more pickups. Yeah. At one point we thought we were finished a year ago <laughs> <laughs> and when Gigi came to me and said, we're in fact not finished. I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, believing in your director, believing in his divi- his vision as a, as a producer and really, you know, stepping back and, and understanding that and, and, and really, you know, being true to that. We have a really beautiful, incredible film because of TG's vision and that extra time and energy spent over the last year making it right because he said you know my gut feeling just tells me that little voice is telling me it's almost there it's not quite there my vision's not being met yet so I think we all worked really hard Danny all of us uh to support that and um and it's been a beautiful journey and now I'm so excited to launch our beautiful film (laughs) yeah and and, you know back to Danny too it's uh, his perspective has been awesome because you know, yeah, he as well doesn't come from, you know, the, he's a comes from the photography, it's, you know, side of in the world of things, very creative, but at the end of the day, it's all about story, and I think that's 
that's what we have together. We had an, all an idea what the story was, and and then we saw what we saw what the story had to be due to circumstances that were happening here in our own country. So we felt like it, we had to make this statement and and do it this way. And it is a story of New Orleans, a story about Cuba, but it's a lesson in what we can all do around the world and apply to whether it be North Korea or Iran or whatever. Let's just find what we have in common, and in that little bitty space, uh, build bridges, not walls. That's that's the message. Mm-hmm. I think very few films leave you feeling good when you walk out of the theater. And with everything going on in the world today, it's nice to know that we put a little piece back in about humanity, about coming together. Definitely. Yeah. And so I'm excited to say that Ben Jaffe, who is, uh, I should say, one of the main characters, if not the main guy leading us throughout A Tuba to Cuba, just walked in. And he is also the director of Preservation Hall Jazz Band, if that's the right term. Ben, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, good to be here in Austin. So one of the things that's so interesting about this film is the way it's edited. And of course, this is a film about music. And we were just talking, TJ, about your background as in editing. Music, rhythm, the film obviously embodies something about the rhythm of this music. And you can even see that in the way that it's that the shots are set together. And I actually have a clip here where you can kind of hear that coming through where um, if you could describe the clip I'm about to play, um, it's sort of about a city coming to life and how the sounds become a music. Is that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And uh, of course, Ben and I and, and Dan, we... we it was important for us to this. The film really isn't about music per se, but it that you it has to have a heartbeat, right? And uh, so that was so important. And and us conceptually, for us conceptually, this trip was about throwing a mirror up and seeing ourselves in Cuba and queuing, seeing seeing the Cubans seeing uh, themselves and us. So there's this mirror that happens, and uh, you know, Ben growing up in the in the quarter and. And me living living in the city, and and all even all the members uh, been, uh, ma- members of the band growing up there, you understand that the street influences who you are, and it's in and your environment, and the sounds that are around you inspire you. And uh, when we got to Cuba, there was it was so noisy, it was insane. So we knew we couldn't fight it. So at one point. Uh, Ben and I were talking about, well, we, we just got to embrace this thing. So that's exactly what this clip is, uh, you're, is that you're about to hear. And it's this idea of, okay, so we draw inspiration, and Ben can talk a little more about this. Uh, as a musician, he draws inspiration from things that are around you. you know, and, there, and inherently, there's a musicality to that, right? And so that's what, what this clip uh, came out, to kind of celebrate the, the messy funness of it all, you know? Yeah, let's let's take a listen. Musical, aquí está los perros, los perros. Ladran música.
we knew the musical road was leading us to Santiago. So yeah, there you kind of can hear, just listening to this podcast, you can just hear this rhythm coming out. How did you come up with those different sounds? Like elaborate a little bit for us. It, uh, it, it literally all go, it comes from, you can turn the camera anywhere, right? Whether it be New Orleans or Havana or Santiago, and some kind of noise is coming from something. So I'll let Ben talk a little bit about that musicality. And, yeah, and one of the the biggest challenges we faced was um, when do we stop filming? At what point do we hmm. stop, you know, filming? Like when when is the story over? When 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 have we told the story? You know, it's, it's very difficult because you could just you know, it's like New Orleans. You could just let the camera roll 24 hours a day and you'll never run out of, of, of stories to tell, you know, of, 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 you know, important imagery and sounds. So, uh, at a certain point we were, we were just kind of like overwhelmed, you know, our, our, just all of our sensations were just overwhelmed, you know, and, you know, as a musician, you, you, you sort of, when you, when you look at something, you, 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 you hear this, um, you know, you, you kind of hear this, these sounds in your head that, you know, you, I mean, when I, I look at when, you know, just during the day, I can hear music as I'm just kind of walking through life, you know, um, and even, you know, cars, I mean, you know, hearing like bus doors opening and closing or elevator buttons going off, you know, these, these are like things that leave uh, an imprint on your sort of creative being, you know, so I, I thought it was just a brilliant way to uh, paint this picture of of the you know sounds of of Havana, you know, in a very you know very meaningful way. That these were all the these were some of the people that we would see and some of the things that you would experience just leaving your your house in the morning. You know, walking one block, you know, you would experience like an entire you know symphony. And I know you're also uh, an EP on the film, so having captured all of these different things and being aware that you wanted to capture these, what was it like putting together the first cut and second cut and, you know, you're in the film and all this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's kind of complicated post-production. And, and he did the music as well. And he did the music. <laughs> he composed the yeah. music. So. The, I, it was interesting, my role in the project, because um, it, it's very much in line with what I do at Preservation Hall, which is um, create... Um, create exciting projects and meaningful projects for us to be involved in. And it's been very important to me, particularly in these um, years post-Katrina, to uh, frame our history and to tell the story of, of our band and to tell the story of Preservation Hall and to tell the story of New Orleans music in a, in a very meaningful way, in an important way, you know, in the way that we see it. And that's uh, that's challenging, you know, because those projects don't come knocking at your door all the time. You have to to create that moment. You have to create those things. And um, I, I was just very fortunate to have the support of the Preservation Hall Foundation to come on board to help um, make this trip happen. This trip, I mean, that that's something that that sort of gets lost. In, in not not lost, but something that when you're watching the movie or thinking about it, you know, I, I wonder to myself, like, do people wonder like how we actually got there? Like who who sponsored this trip and like who made this possible? 
because it was through like the the love and the confidence and the support of our 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 supporters you know who who made this trip possible we you know our our foundation and you know through the the fundraising that that um you know tg nickel did to to make this project happen is what is what actually got the band to cuba and that's that's amazing to me because that's an opportunity that that most bands will most humans will never get to have because it's uh it's expensive it's just expensive to do it's expensive to move a band around it's expensive to put on concerts it's it's expensive to to be away from your family all, all of these things um you know come into play and we created this you know after receiving an invitation to perform at the Havana Jazz Festival it was only after we received the invitation that I that I went to TG and said hey you know what do you think i mean is this even a you know a possibility could we even like will they even allow us to bring a camera in to the country i don't I, you know i i knew so little about it and i also knew that it going gorilla also wouldn't really work um in this situation because of, of what we were trying mm-hmm. to achieve and accomplish because we 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 didn't want it to just go in and, and be us performing in in havana you know we might have been able to pull that off and just get back to the U.S. and and do something, but we wanted to to do something that that celebrated and really shined a light on our musical um, counterparts in Cuba. And to do that, we needed we needed um, permission, and we needed to, you know, jump, you know, through a lot of hoops, and you know, we needed to break down a lot of walls, and we needed to go over mountains and you know through water literally yeah (laughs) so that that that's that that to me it it, the movie yes is an incredible achievement um the movie captures what what happened and that's what's beautiful to me is that tg and and danny did such a um an incredible job of catching of capturing this experience and and being a fly on the wall and that was really why I knew that they would really be the, the the best people for this project because they 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 can they can disappear into the shadows and allow us to have these very natural interactions without you know the focus being the camera you know that we just wanted the camera to be invisible we didn't even want it to, to know that it was there and um, you know we knew it, we knew that it was going to be life changing we just didn't know to what degree. Well, you know, and then just quickly talking, jumping back to the editing part, sorry to be, but I just, I want to just make, make it very clear. It, it takes a team, it takes a village and we, every single person that is involved in this film from, you know, grips and PAs in New Orleans to, you know, to DPs and producers and editors, Luis Carballar, an incredible editor, uh, Dane Williams, um, there's so much love that's been focused on this, on this film and given to this film that, that I, I really think that that's why it is what it is, you know? And like I said, it's, it's not just about music. It's not about New Orleans. It's not about Cuba. It it really is about this. This is a solution, I think. Uh, that can it can be a, a test model for what we can do. We can transpose this onto any other kind of divisive uh, divisiveness that might be out there in the world, and hopefully people will see it that way and see it for that. 
So today, of course, you're having your second screening and you will be doing a having a parade afterwards. So I can't keep you here for very much longer because I don't want you to be late to your screening and your parade, which is marching down uh, Congress. Congress. It yeah, should be six, very exciting. Yeah. We'll try to take pictures. I'm going to try to go take pictures so I can show no film school readers when this goes up. Yeah. So I guess the last thing that I'll ask you is having made this project which connects us to our past and our ancestors and our present. As artists, what would be your piece of advice for someone else listening to this who has an idea for something they want to capture and tell um, in this way that you guys have done? I think we each three have a great answer for that. You want one, at a, one at a time. <laughs> I would say you have a producer that really believes in you and understands the projects and your vision and will stop at no ends to make that happen. Yeah, and for me, it would it would definitely have to be listen to your gut. Yeah, listen to your gut because uh, that that never steers you wrong. For me, it's it's uh, about reflection and um, taking that time to reflect and understand what what your life is and what what story you're trying to tell. I mean, there's a million great ideas out there, but are there a million meaningful great ideas and are there a million meaningful personal great ideas you know and when you start chipping that away you know you're you're left with very little you know so m- make it meaningful make what you what you do in life meaningful make it important um, make it personal and you, you can't you know with that formula I don't, I don't think you can lose especially with this you know incredible team of you know, surrounding yourself with, with people who, who believe that, you know, and finding those people. Well, wonderful. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you guys. Congratulations on A Tuba to Cuba. It's such an exciting festival to be, to be playing this film at, and uh, I'm excited to see it go out into the world after this. So congratulations and thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can tune in every week to podcasts like this, Indie Film Weekly, and The First Feature, If you subscribe to us, please, on your preferred podcast platform.